around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to The Greatest Discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm one of those makers. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. I mean, it's not that new at this point. We've done tons of seasons of Trek on this show. Yeah? Have we? So many seasons. Oh boy. I'd say you guys should take up a less embarrassing hobby, but it might be too late. Well, how many seasons have we done? We've done one Lower, lower Decks, three Discovery. One Picard. One Picard. That's uh, five seasons. A couple of seasons of Short Treks. Yeah, are those considered those seasons, seasons? I'm going to call them seasons. I, I was wondering today about whence short treks. Are they going to bring it back or are we, are we done with short treks or what? Look, I definitely have a dog in this race as a Star Trek podcaster. Yeah. So, I mean, this might sound a little self-serving, a little self-dealing, mm. if you will. Yeah. I like a short treks episode. Oh, I'm a big fan. Give me, a, give me a 10 to 15 minute episode that we can riff on. It, it's such a great use of Star Trek as a place. And right. if they've got five freaking shows in production right now. If we're going to be in anything, Ben, it's going to be a short Treks. No one is going <laughs> to burn the cellulose, the digital cellulose on you and me getting blown out of an airlock in a mainline episode of new Star Trek. That's not going to happen. Short treks, know. though, what? they'll blow anyone on short treks. What if a uh, friend of the show, Anson Mount, puts in a good word for us? He could get us in. I think Anson Mount's word goes a long way. Long way. He, he's, he's the, the captain. captain. <laughs> what the captain says goes. Yeah. God, he's so great. I missed him at Star Trek Las Vegas this year. Yeah. He was probably too busy being beautiful. Full-time job for that guy. Yeah. You know, you know who's part-time in it? In the beauty department, this guy. Ben and, ben and Adam. <laughs> you posted a text. You, you posted a picture of a text that I sent you, and I was shocked <laughs> at, at the profile picture you still had of me. I barely recognized that person. I know. Adam with the short hair. Boy, <laughs> you can't trust that guy. Did, were you were Adam you a who little, wore uh, collared shirts once upon a yeah. time? Who's that guy? Who is that guy? Me and my wife went to Costco last night, mm -hmm. and I put on yet again another outfit of shorts, a t-shirt, and a hoodie. And she's like, "You're shorts, t-shirt, and hoodie guy, aren't you? This is this is, <laughs> this is who you are." And it made me recognize that that is who I've become that's, that's every day. Become the uniform. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. My Northwest uniform used to be a plaid or plaid adjacent button-up shirt. Yeah. Crisp pair of pants. Nice uh -huh. pair of shoes. That'll get mm -hmm. you in and out of a lot of places in the Pacific Northwest, but oh yeah, I haven't you're, touched you're, a plaid shirt. You're practically shirt. wearing a tuxedo in the Pacific Northwest <laughs> yeah. if you put a shirt with a collar on. I haven't I haven't worn a plaid shirt in two years. Wow, that's what California's done to me. <laughs> it's really lowered your uh, your standards haberdashery wise. You're over there tying entire plaid shirts around your neck as a fashion choice. I'm over here wearing dumb. T-shirts, like a fool. How, well, how did how did Costco get? And how many of the things you got last night do you uh, need to go return today? <laughs> I'm not brooking any Costco hate on on either <laughs> our hit 
mainline Star Trek podcast or our new Star Trek podcast right here. It's not going to happen. Wow. I'm a fan. <laughs> I used to work there and I'm still a fan. Can wow. you believe it? Hard to believe, Adam. Hard, given given my, my experience with the company, and also And also given my experience with everything I, know, I no longer have a relationship with, <laughs> quite surprising. <laughs> oh, man. Well, uh, I'm just gassed today. I am uh, yeah, man. a very bad night of sleep. I had my dog was upset about something going on outside the house and was he was barking. He was like running under the under the bed and barking. Uh, that would be that'd be different because that's a dog that sleeps in bed with you guys, huh? He was usually up on the bed, but he was scared of something. So you know, uh, my my beloved dog Sprocket never really slept up on the bed, but I'd give anything to have him sleep in the bed with me. He is missed. What I'm trying to say is that uh, I wanted to go in on a on a cut down of you. Mm-hmm. Allowing your dog to sleep in the bed, but but I get it. I really do. Yeah. I didn't get I mean, it then, but I do now. <laughs> well, he didn't get it last night. He was uh, he was up to some other stuff. So apologies if I'm at like fifty percent today. Uh, once again, another podcast episode where Adam carries Ben. Adam and Ben are not fighting. One of them is carrying yeah. the other, which is a, a yeah. common occurrence. We'll fight later. For now, I'm just useless. <laughs> Let's see how much fighting we have to do during the recap of this episode, Ben. I have a feeling that you and I are, are going to have some differing opinions about Star Trek Lower Decks Season 2, Episode 4, Mugato, Kama, Gumato. Hey, speaking of fighting, Adam, let's get out those giant Q-tips and... Take part in a little bit of Anbo Jitsu. The ultimate evolution in the martial arts. Yet another gym cold open, Ben, and I think I've put it together. You know, mm. after after last week's episode of the the hit new Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Discovery, uh, I was kind of taken to task on the internet about my misidentification of a character and a character voice on that show. This was the Collector's episode. A lot of people thought I should have voice-checked Ben Rogers. Right. Ben Rogers, also the writer of today's episode. Yeah, and uh, his name has been in the credits for uh, two seasons now. Yeah. Yeah, like a fool, I didn't recognize Ben Rogers from Dumbbells and from uh, Action Boys. Yeah, well, he's got a—he's a very talented voice performer. I feel like he's doing a lot of the kind of like incidental character stuff. Like if somebody needs to yell from off-screen, I feel like he will often be that voice. But he can really like make his voice sound like a lot of different things. Like if you hear him on a podcast, it really doesn't sound like the guy that was uh, stealing KLS's fuck helmet. He's great. He's very talented. I'm a fan. But I bring him up for this reason. It seems like Lower Decks has a focus on fitness in a way that other Star Treks do not. And I don't think that that's an accident when you've got one of the dumbbells (laughs) writing episodes, right? Like, this is a crew interested in fitness as much as the D was interested in in art and uh, yeah. and symphony shit and <laughs> and it's weird, right? You would think I don't know. Lieutenant Stevens distinctly <laughs> disinterested in fitness. <laughs> it seemed like a rarity on the D for anyone to get into something fitness related. It was special, but not here. 
I liked seeing the like Deanna Troy, Beverly Crusher, girl talk time leotard in the background of one of these shots. Yeah, love this. So they, they get in a two-on-one Anbo Jitsu fight. It's uh, Boims and Rutherford on one side and Mariner on the other. And she's not stuck in there with them, Adam. <laughs> They're stuck in there with her. Mariner takes it to their asses like Kyle Riker taking it to Pulaski. <laughs> yeah, what it's a, pretty brutal. What have they been doing in the nighttime on the holodeck to get their asses stomped this badly? Come on, Boims <laughs> and Rutherford, get it together. Yeah, they need to turn the difficulty level up on their training programs. I guess but, Rutherford isn't hitting his own button anymore either. Yeah. Like he, it seems like he could flip it over to Ambo Jitsu and and do a lot better, right? Is the fact that the face guard is down why his augmentation isn't making him better at fighting? With the blast shield down, I can't even see. Uh, yeah, I have a question. In Lower Deck Season 2, Episode 4, I couldn't help but notice that Rutherford's augmentation could give him a distinct advantage in Ambo Jitsu, and yet he chooses not to take that advantage in his fight with Mariner. I'm just wondering if that's because of the face shield, if you could tell me if that has anything to do with his ability to use his head appliance. Thanks, I'll, uh, I'll take my answer while I'm in the food court. Get a life. <laughs> oh, man, that would be the dream if they pipe those conference panels into the food court. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you get yourself a, a medium warm hot dog mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and, uh, and a medium warm beer. And a cocktail with no lime in it because they didn't get limes for today. Boy, they had one bartender working the convention part during one of the nights that we were there, and she was awesome. There was a line 200 people long at Star Trek Las Vegas, and this one older lady making awesome drinks for everyone. She was really keeping it together, not getting stressed out and keeping the line moving. She would have been entitled to to kicking as much ass as Mariner does. (laughs) I think you gave her about a 100% tip when we we got drinks at the convention. I did. It was a nice move by you. We get the Boimler scream done early, don't we, Ben? Yeah. Yeah. I love this scene. Like, this picks up a joke that the cold open of the entire series indicated might be a line of comedy in this show, which is if you can wave a light over it, you can have really brutal injuries and it's not actually that big a deal. And so, like, Rutherford gets, like, his hand pinned to the fucking floor. The enemy cannot push a button if you disable his hand. Everybody's getting teeth knocked out. Shax is just sitting there, like, reading the paper. Don't worry about me. I'm early. You've still got 10 minutes. In the mess hall later, they're still injured. Does that suggest to you that they can't get into Six Bay to get their wounds healed or that they don't want to have them healed in order to get the scars? Man, yeah, maybe they're enjoying the pain. It's something they rarely experience in this ideal future. Yeah. I bet there's a lot of pain edgers in the 24th century, huh? (laughs) Speaking of pain, Adam, some uh, Dr. Flock-style aliens are down on the surface. I I don't know who that is. Alien planet, and they're scanning for life forms, probably. Life forms. They are not... (laughs) <laughs> and some kind of big white ape with a horn on his head jumps out of the bush. 
It's a horny gorilla, Ben. Mm. Horny indeed, Adam. I love how this scene transitions, right? You're like, what the hell is this? And then we cross cut right into what the hell this is. I don't know, Adam. If you were a real Star Trek podcaster, you wouldn't even need this next scene. No. Yeah, you'd you'd recognize Horny Gorilla from TOS right. in a scene totally superfluous to the real fans yeah. who get all the yeah. trivia. Yeah, real heads know <laughs> and have watched even bad episodes. <laughs> yeah. This uh, this McLaughlin group is telling us that this planet is Frylon 4 and this Horny Gorilla is known as a Megato. Yeah. This is a uh, gorilla that is not endemic to this planet, and the Cerritos is being sent to look into this, see what gives, why this non-endemic species is attacking travelers. Captain Freeman pretty cheesed off again at the missions she's being delegated. I like that this mission has a name. I can't believe we pulled another animal control up. She hates missions like these. Rutherford and Boims are doing something a little bit less physical while they enjoy their wounds. (laughs) I don't like... God, this is going to be so controversial, Ben. Mm. Fuck, this is really going to... Wow. Okay, Uh, listen. If if you're sensitive, viewer, just know that Adam is about to drop a controversy bomb right here in the middle of The Greatest Discovery. I don't like it when people play games in bars and restaurants. <laughs> oh, no. Hey, Adam, I uh, just got I just got an email from uh, Bikram at Maximum Fun. They've kicked us off the network. Yeah, that, because and that also, is basically the main thing about everyone at Maximum Fun is how much they enjoy bl- that shit. Blacklisted us from working with any other podcast network. Hey, you know what? We're trying to turn a table here, guys. So why don't you finish up those fries and get the fuck out so, uh, so the server can get another round of tips, okay? Adam... This is a bar that does not have table service, and to Boehm's and Rutherford's credits, they are getting refills on their drinks when they when they finish their drinks. You know what? That's a great distinction you're making. On the D, they did have table service. You sure about dessert? Yes, don't tempt me. On the Cerritos? No way. You got to go up to the bar. Yeah. They uh, interact with Mariner a little bit. She makes fun of their board game, which is called Diplomats, and it's all about coming to compromises that nobody is fully satisfied with. That's a compromise! Probably a favorite game at Maximum Fun. I mean, it looks like my kind of game, to be honest. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) If I know going in I'm not going to be satisfied, that's going to really help sell the enjoyment overall. Oh, yeah. When when the best you can do is fine, (laughs) sign me up. This bartender, though, Ben. Salty old bartender. I think his name was Hodus. I had him as Otis. Okay, buddy, you heard wrong. Otis? Uh, Maybe it's Otis. Otis! Can we get two more? Why not Hodus? Shut up, Hodus! The first time Rutherford said it sounded different from the next time yeah. I heard it, so I was like, eh. I bet they didn't believe the rumors on the Atlantis either. Until it was too late, they were all... Hodus, could you get back to work? Billups is still waiting on his peach daiquiri. I'm going to put Hodus, and I I hope that's right. I love his Fred Gwynn vibes from Pet Cemetery, and and the way they kind of light him that yeah. way, too. Like, like spotlight from the top down casting those face shadows it's big fun he is the kind of bartender who overhears things and can't keep a secret he loves dishing the rumors he's kind of an antigynon isn't he 
Yeah, he really is. Like, Guinan could keep a secret. You could tell her anything. Yeah. If you told her something in confidence, she'd take it back to the bean-flicking room, and it would never come out of there again. Yeah, Guinan's not allowing any table games in her restaurant, I bet. <laughs> what are you talking about? There was a whole episode where Data was playing, like, finger condom game with that guy. Finger cow milker game was a special event. <laughs> You, like had, you had to pay a to... cover to go to Finger Cow Milker Game Day. <laughs> yeah. And you notice they never did that promotion again. Like, it didn't really do much to uh, fill the bar up. Yeah. Yeah, not a lot of drinkers on that day. Anyways, Mariner is off in the corner practicing her... Is that called Finger Filet in, uh, in Jazz Horse? It's okay, girl. Just a scratch. Five Finger Filet. Yeah, it is. <laughs> nice Jazz Horse callback. Yeah, and he's telling them about how she's probably Section 31 or something. She's like a trained killer. She is Starfleet Black Ops. And all of the stuff about her being incompetent or constantly getting demoted or being the captain's daughter are uh, are elaborate parts of her cover. This is an episode from here on out that is about confirmation bias. Yeah. The bartender has ceded this information to Rutherford and Boehms, and now... Henceforth, <laughs> everything they see from Mariner will will serve to confirm this suspicion. Right. It could only be thus, right? Yeah. These guys really have the same taste in beverages as I do. <laughs> like, your boy was really distracted at the end of this scene by the drinks that they got served. What kind of, like, that's a margarita glass, right? Where you got the, the little bowl and then the, big, the bigger bowl that flutes out? Yeah. Yeah. I like those glasses, but I don't have any. I drink my margaritas out of a low boy, out of a rocks glass. Yeah, but you don't like fun the way I do. That's your problem. It just fucking hurts, man. <laughs> what was that about? <laughs> I don't know. I'm very tired and punchy. <laughs> I didn't mean that. Speaking of punchy, the punchiest crew person aboard the Cerritos is probably Dr. Katz, right? She's really been on one this season. Tendi is still working shifts in Six Bay and is just struggling to like be the first responder to whoever's having an issue there. She's getting elbowed out of the way by uh, by her coworkers. This isn't good. It's a problem with assertiveness and uh, the mission that she is given for this episode is perfectly tailored to be a lesson in how to assert oneself. Oh, I was just thinking, like, if you're not super assertive, administrative work is, like, the best. <laughs> uh, except for she's got to go hunt down the people that are, like, medical system hesitant, yeah. I guess. Yeah. I kind of was wondering if this was going to become topical humor in this episode. I suspected that as well. I mean, I suppose it is somewhat topical, but it doesn't really feel like a South Park episode where it's like, ha, ah, can you believe how topical we are? Right. <laughs> yeah, subtly topical. Subtly topical. Nice work. Yeah. So Rutherford has done a little research, Adam. He's done something that we would never do. That's right. He, pull, he pulled up Mariner's record. You know what you get when you pull up the win-loss record for the Mariner's? <laughs> season after season of disappointment, Ben. Wow. <laughs> Spoken like a true plaid shirtman. Yeah. Spoken like an ex-Mariner fan. <laughs> Are you a Dodger man now? Oh, yeah. Are you kidding me? 
Like the the moment my my feet hit the shore in L.A., <laughs> I took off my Mariner's hat and flung it into the ocean. You fell to your knees and then bent over and kissed a Dodgers hat that happened to be lying on the beach. Finally, a front office that gives a shit about winning. <laughs> like oxygen. Wow. Feels incredible. Uh. <laughs> we should go to a Dodgers game together. I, th- I bet that'd be fun. I, I think that would be fun. We, what we could do is we could uh, get one of those messages on the screen during the seventh inning oh, stretch, the birthday yeah. message or that anniversary We could get message. our own Jumbotron. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Welcome, friends of DeSoto, to Dodger yeah. Stadium. I don't think that many people would show up. Everybody chug. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I wonder if there are rules about what you can and can't put in those messages, and would everybody chug get past the censors? Wow. I I bet it wouldn't. I bet that would be flagged. But I bet there's some some greatest gen style terminology that we could get past the goalie there. Yeah, I mean, drunk Dodger fans are known for like doing murders, so it <laughs> it could be something that they're. I'm not suggesting that the message about. be to kill someone in Dodger Stadium, Ben. <laughs> yeah. Friends of DeSoto, to our knowledge, have never done a murder. And I think that that's something we can really be proud of as a podcast. You know, our audience is growing every month. I, yeah. I think it's only a matter of time. And that is a that is a sad <laughs> fact, I think. Hey, if you've ever done a murder, don't write in. We don't want to know about it. You're no longer a friend of DeSoto if you commit murder. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the things that totally disqualifies someone. Yeah. You have to turn in your challenge coin. So we learn a couple of things in this scene that Mariner has super fast reflexes yeah, for some reason. And she's going on this away mission to find the Magato. Just stay out of my way down there or else. Ah, or else what? And also that there are lots of perfectly acceptable pronunciations for Mugatos. And I did read about this. Apparently DeForest Kelly just could not remember how to pronounce it in the TOS episode. And so several different runs at it made it to air. And also it was like different in like different versions of the script. So that's that's why Mugato and Gumato are both, both made it into the public knowledge. So this is an episode that makes a runner of how many different ways you could uh, vary pronunciations that still evoke the same idea. We should take a run at that episode as a, as maybe a bonus or something. That would be really fun. It's we've, been a long time since we've TOS'd. Yeah, I know. It's unfortunate we have so little time for literally anything else. <laughs> so uh, Mariners going down there along with a pretty substantial away team. It's Shax, Boyms, Rutherford, and her, and also like a handful of other randoms. Yeah. This is one of those away teams where you get somebody on every single circle on the transporter pad. I th- that's got to have a name, right? Yeah, I think the transporter yeah. officer has a name for that. We've probably never heard it on a show before. Why do you think they call it? It's seven people, right? Yeah. It's not a, it can't be, I mean, a seven pack is not good. No. (laughs) That's like that time Duff Beer sold a seven pack because, (laughs) because flavor isn't symmetrical. Remember? (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Maybe it is good. (laughs) Maybe we call it a Duff. Executive officer, commander Kieran McDuff. Okay. I like it. Look, there are no bad ideas for right now. We'll just put it on the board. 
So they duff an away team down to the surface of this planet, and pretty soon the Shax is doing full like tracker guide stuff. Yeah, I thought it was interesting that they had to cu- keep cutting away from him putting poop in his mouth. Dino dropping, dropping. Yeah, why not show it? Why not show it going in? This show gets so gross, and they it, it was very noticeable to me that they did not show the poo going into the mouth. Some asshole on Twitter was asking Mike McMahon why they bleep out the curse words. And Uh his answer was obvious because it's funnier with the bleeps. (laughs) And I also wonder how much of that thinking goes into whether or not to show the shit going in or not. Like it's funnier to imagine him eating it than probably seeing him lick the frosting off the beater himself, right? Well, crucially, they're cutting to people making the I'm holding back barf face right? whenever he does it. Yeah. And I think that that is a very like evocative moment. But it, I don't know. There was something about it that seemed maybe a little awkward in this episode, like they had it in and hmm. somebody told them that they needed to, to clip it out. The standards and practices department at Paramount Plus disapproving yeah. of shit eating. <laughs> Hey, hey, Paramount Plus, you know what totally eats shit? Your app. Wow. (laughs) How about having some standards and practices around that? (laughs) The gloves are off this episode, Ben. (laughs) Yeah, this is a good Shaxx episode. Like, I like the whole predator vibe that he's got, like, as a tracker. Yeah. This is a mission perfect for him. My friend was asking me the other day, in the presence of his 10-year-old daughter, if if Predator was a good movie. And I was like, I don't really know like where your kid is at, W slash R slash T, watching movies like that, or if I'm going to like get her interested in this <laughs> by describing it. How old was this friend? This Jesse Thorne was my friend in question. <laughs> Jesse Thorne? Yeah. Has... Jesse Thorne is around our age. Yeah, he's like a he's like a, a couple years older than me and like 10 years younger than you. I'm shocked that he hasn't seen it already. I am too. Um, Culturally, it seems like a a very much in the zeitgeist kind of movie for a period of time that, that seemed yeah. inescapable. Yeah, but it's like it's violent enough that it wasn't on broadcast television. Like you would have <laughs> had to go rent it. And you know the funniest part about this interaction to me is that <laughs> is that Jesse Thorne yeah is asking you <laughs> if Predator is good. Yeah, yeah. Hey Jesse, you've got my number. <laughs> well, it was just an impromptu thing. I was I was walking my dog. He happened to be getting some uh, some smoothies from a smoothie stand near my house, and uh, we we happened to both be wearing the same Panama hat, which was kind of embarrassing. Oh God, I bet <laughs> I bet there are better than fifty fifty chances of that happening on a given day. Yeah. Do you, you guys have I to did? text each other before you hang out? You want to know something I did when I got home, Adam? <laughs> Ordered myself a new Panama hat to lower those odds. <laughs> when you support the greatest discovery at maximumfun.org <laughs> slash join, 
It's not just Panama hats for Jesse that you're paying for. You can help a Star Trek podcaster afford another Panama hat so that embarrassing moments like these yeah. have a lower possibility of happening. Oh boy. I'd say you guys should take up a less embarrassing hobby, but it might be too late. This is going to be a two Panama hat Star Trek podcast pretty soon. I am, I'm doing none of the Panama hat work. <laughs> Yeah, on the show's behalf. You aren't pulling your own Panama hat weight, you're, unfortunately. You're carrying the entire burden of Panama hats for the both of us. And when there was only one line of Panama hats in the sand, <laughs> and no Dodger hats. Yeah. Uh, so they come upon a compound full of... If, if you Lugat- just tuned in mid-episode and that's all you heard... <laughs> What is this episode even about? What is our show even about? Well, see, there's some Starfleets, and they found some Ferengi poachers with Mugatos, and they're cutting a deal with a uh, unscrupulous alien of some kind. They're also being cruel to the Mugatos, stealing babies, whipping them with their lightning whips. Didn't like seeing that separation of the babies and the adult horny gorillas. A very dark image, and they're selling horns that have been stolen from these Mugatos yeah. uh, to this alien guy, voiced by Paul F. Tompkins. I, I, I know that our uh, our viewers on this show love to correct us when we misattribute a voice actor for a character. Uh, I noticed that Anthony Atamanik has, a, has an acting credit mm-hmm. in this episode, mm-hmm. and I wondered if he was the Ferengi or if he was the bartender or who. Also a man with a voice that can really yeah. go in a lot of different places. A very funny guy. He played uh, he played Donald Trump on the uh, President Show. Yeah, that guy's great. He was my UCB 101 instructor back in the day. Wow. Yeah. I bet funny. he doesn't remember you. <laughs> <laughs> he does, Adam. We've exchanged DMs on Twitter. I'm a big fan of his. I'm really glad that he's... Uh, that he's doing fun stuff like this. Wildly jealous, again, that we haven't been cast on this show and yeah. almost everybody else has. Why is this thirsty ex-improv student all up in my DMs? Oh, right. <laughs> he hosts a new Star Trek podcast. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I got to tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I going to have for dinner, to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code TREK50 at factormeals.com slash TREK50 to get 50% off. Top of the morning to ya. This episode is brought to you by the St. Patrick's Day Shamrock Shavers Manscaped. This year, don't just chase rainbows. Make your own pot of gold and groom your little leprechaun with the leaders in Below the Kilt Care. I didn't make that up. That's actual copy sent to us by the great folks over at Manscaped who make the shaver that I use downstairs on my little leprechaun. And uh, I recommend it. Uh, it works great. Uh, trimming the hedges in your Irish garden isn't just for below the belt. You can complete your look with their new signature Beard Hedger Pro Kit 
plus handyman electric face shaver. Everything they make is really good and high quality. And this new trimmer that they have comes with two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blades. They've got one for a classic trim and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. So get 20% off plus free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and get free shipping with code TREK at manscaped.com. This St. Patrick's Day, make sure your little hairy leprechaun is luckier than ever with Manscaped. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing, and wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org slash newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. They like run down and they, they like they kind of order the Ferengi to stand down. Yeah, it's a whip-based accident. We, we talked about this in TNG. Like when your weapon involves lassoing it up over your head and shooting it at things, your your accuracy is going to be diminished. And that's what happens here. Yeah. What the lightning hits is the uh, security system. It's a real Dr. Grant, my dear Dr. Sattler, welcome to Mugato Park. This always happens. You have dangerous animals in cages and one button <laughs> opens the doors to all of them. This is a bad design. There should never yeah. be one button that opens all the cages. Yeah. And uh, don't hire Dennis Nedry to design it all, you know? Uh, uh, uh. You didn't say the magic word. All hell breaks loose at this point. It starts yeah. raining. The horny gorillas are out. It's fucking super chaotic. And Boimler and Rutherford are, like, running around freaking out. And they see Mariner plunge her knife into Shax's chest and then bite at the wound. And they freak out, and they run out the gates into the forest. Yeah, despite they have, the fact that that's where all the Mugatos went. They have to make a split-second decision about which area is safer, and they choose outside. Get away from Mariner, the Section 31 sleeper agent who is now killing everyone on this away mission and eating them, presumably. Mr. Hyde, the Paul F. Tompkins character, slides across the hood of his shuttlecraft and is able to escape into orbit where the Cerritos is waiting and it hails this guy. I was really hoping Dr. Maglima would be sitting in that seat by the captain's side when this FaceTime pops off. Are you, I'm positive that Paul F. Tompkins has clumped before. 
many, many times. <laughs> that's, that's all he does, right? <laughs> he goes on podcasts and he clumps. Yeah. When the tractor beam destroys Mr. Hyde's shuttle and he's beamed aboard, this read that PFT does in his devastation is so funny to me. My whole life was on that ship. What have you done? I love it. I love through his tears what, what he says and how he says it. It's great. It's good. They used the lowest tractor factor, and yet it still destroyed the ship. Yeah. And that put it, putting Captain Freeman in a pretty awkward position. Shout out to my uh, side project podcast about combines, threshers, and other farm equipment, Tractor Factor, <laughs> with your host, Adam Pranica. Farm equipment podcast by one guy who's just a little bit embarrassed to have a farm equipment podcast. Right. <laughs> the uh, no spin zone on the tractor factor, Ben, unless you're talking about threshers and blades. Yeah. yeah. And in that Those case- Those spin all they want. <laughs> Cutting down that wheat. Little uh, homage to the uh, Fellowship of the Ring here back on the planet. Boimler and Rutherford have to hide under the roots of a tree as one of these Mugatos looks for them. It's just like when the hobbits hid down that embankment and the uh, and the Nazgul was making all those creepy crawlies come out of the dirt. Yeah, I didn't get that reference. I'm glad you're here for that. Yeah. This isn't so much a question, more of an observation. Uh, I couldn't help but notice some points of comparison between a scene early in The Fellowship of the Ring and the scene where the Mugato is kind of looking down at the tree roots and uh, Boimler and Rutherford are hiding down there right before they meet Patingi. Uh, is, that, is that an intentional uh, homage or just a coincidence? This Patingi guy's great. I mean, he's really taken, taken the crown from Jet in terms of guys who rule, right? Here's the thing. A recent lesson I learned. Mm. The hard way. Wow. You don't wear shorts on stage. <laughs> I also don't think you wear shorts out in the outback like this guy is. Yeah, you want a you want a long pant. I mean, you could wear those pants that zip off and become shorts for if you like stop and you want to cool down. Yeah. Hey, are do those pants often come with a cargo pocket because where are you supposed to stick the bottom part of your pants when you unzip them? Oh, they come with a cargo pocket. Okay, good. Yeah, that makes yeah. sense. I didn't have to think of that. That was already thought of. Yeah, the uh, the Tilly Corporation <laughs> figured that out a long time ago. So back up on the Cerritos, Tendi is going down her list. She's checked off kind of a surprising number of names, right? I think if you just hang out in the mess hall, they'll let people come to you. And that's yeah. what she's doing here. I mean, she, she sort of accosts Stevens in a hallway and then follows Stevens into the mess hall. Yeah. Where it is revealed that uh, Stevens may not have passed his physical. He's got some awful bone density and then completely falls apart in front of this lady he's trying to hit on at the bar. Yeah. Everything's not a hit. People can make conversations without it being a hit. The whole world is not a hit. It's never really a good pickup line to use your proximity to another cooler dude. Yeah. You know, that's just going to make the lady think of the other cooler dude. Also, a physical is not a good activity uh, to do on a date. <laughs> sure it isn't, Adam. He needs to be drinking more milk, 
you kind of get the sense that he may have to emergency transport out of here because he's he was so brittle, so <laughs> close to just collapsing under his own weight. This is great sound design. Hey, don't listen to her. I'm as strong as... Oh, God, my hip! The sound of his back popping yeah. all the vertebrae. Great stuff. Oh! Pretty brutal. Down on the planet, Boims and Rutherford have done the tumble down a hill because Patingi got his head chomped by a Mugato. And, uh, this is so violent. It's, it's, he, it's really he bites brutal. into him like a sandwich, like like a <laughs> ransom tried to do to the ship earlier. Yeah, Mugato burgers patingi. <laughs> <laughs> there are like there are like five lines this episode that, out of context, just do not make sense. <laughs> <laughs> they hide in a log while a couple of Mugatos get it on. Yeah, you, you and, probably uh, really felt this scene, huh? What, that I would be hiding while somebody else was have, was uh, getting lucky? Yeah. yeah this That's is, not my way. This is what happened to you. High school party. Nobody- uh, Post-tennis post nope. academy, post-crew uh, post practice. Nobody party. at any of the high school parties that I was allowed to go to got it on. Yeah. I'm sure that there were parties like that, but I wasn't at them. Yeah, not a lot of sex at the parties I went to either. If I had been, I might have been uh, more of a head horn stroker. <laughs> than anything else <laughs> yeah this guy uh this guy really goes after it yeah with one hand <laughs> till his eyes cross i like to watch speaking of crossed eyes jet is fighting lieutenant kashan in uh that's like that klingon tai chi yeah uniform right they're they're doing some kind of martial art anyways. And uh, Jet is on the list. Jet, also a person not going in and getting his physical. He is distracted by Tendi's scan and gets a fist God. for his trouble. Jet's stock might not ever be lower than this. Yeah. Uh, after the truth has become he's really not that cool after all. And he uh, he neglects his personal health. Do you think that the truth might make its way out into the rest of the crew now? Like... Beta Shift knows all about it, but does the rest of the crew now start to see that his coolness may have been exaggerated by the media? I don't know. Maybe. I mean, the only thing he's good at is taking a sonic shower at this point. I'm yeah. having a hard time thinking of his other good qualities. It's a shame. Tendi scans Chief Lars Lundy, who is uh, doing some, some surfing, I guess. Yeah. Some, some old-timey, like... Uh, Beach blanket bingo era surfing where you obviously get someone up on your shoulders for that. Chief Lars Lundy just wants to go swimming with girls. Yeah. Obviously. Sounds great. One last name on on Tendy's list, and it's patient sixty-nine four twenty. Who is it? She doesn't know who that is. Where did your mind go? My mind went to Mariner. I thought, oh, this is gonna be how we find out that Mariner is in fact some kind of sleeper agent, and she's, like, got some secret alternate designation. Well... A story and B story are going to be related. Ben, I I gotta tell you, as someone who has watched television before, <laughs> uh, my mind went straight to Dr. Katz as, wow. as my primary suspect. I was chagrined when I was wrong. <laughs> I bet. So the Mugatos down on the planet wear themselves out... Yeah, the uh, they're in a in a post coital pile with the third guy who was watching. The uh, Boims and Rutherford walking down the path 
talking about man this this confirms everything mm-hmm. uh this they uh narrowly avoid a mugato trap and then they run into mariner who they are terrified of but she steps in the trap she gets caught yeah i didn't expect this from mariner she's usually a little bit better she's more yeah. careful than this and if she's a spy she would have noticed right right so that's a that's a check in the not a spy column also a check in the cannot fight off throne tricorders column. She's unable <laughs> to defend herself from those. Yeah. And she's explaining like, oh, the Mugato poison checks and I had to drain the wound by sucking it out. She was doing some like frontier medicine on shacks. Yeah, had to. Saved his life probably. He could have died a second time. I don't know if I could take that. So they're just about to like make friendship peace together when the Ferengi pull up. And uh, Boimson and Rutherford run away as Mariner is taken from the trap by these Ferengi. Exhorting Rutherford and Boimler to be the badasses that they imagined her to be. Right. So this next scene on the Cerritos is the confirmation of Ben's wrongness. The last person on the list is Dr. Katz. And like any cat who doesn't want to go to an appointment (laughs) for their health, she runs away. There's a scene of Tendi trying really hard to convince Dr. Katz to get in the carrier. Yeah. Dr. Katz, you know, spreading her limbs out to avoid it. All right, let's just get this over with. God, this chase scene was really funny to me. (laughs) I was laughing the whole time. Yeah, Dr. Katz can just break into Cat whenever she wants. (laughs) Yeah, he's good. They wind up in uh, in Jeffrey's tubes, and uh, that's really like the cat's turf, you know? Like, that's not where you want to be chasing a cat. Yeah, you think it's good when you have a cat cornered. It's never good when you have a cat cornered. <laughs> it's not. It means yeah. you're about to bleed. Yeah, you haven't made your job any easier. <laughs> Better put on a couple of oven mitts and a sweatshirt. Yeah. Yeah. Tendy does get swatted a couple of times, but she doesn't seem to bleed. Yeah. Does she just dodge out of the way? I don't know. Here's the sad part. Do you think Dr. Katz has been declawed? Do you think you have to be oh, declawed yeah. to serve in Starfleet? That's I heard fucked it, like, up. It used to be Starfleet policy, and like now yeah. they've kind of rethought that. But It's sort of a shameful history yeah. situation. Not something that they're super proud of as an organization. <laughs> There's a different time. Yeah. But that's not really an excuse. No. Captain Freeman has to make it right with this captain that was like, they they don't know this up on the ship because there's a signal jammer. This guy was buying Mugato horns. He's a bad dude, but they feel bad about wrecking his ship and he's going to take a shuttlecraft, but he also wants to be made whole on all of the trinkets that he happened to have on board with him, which uh, he, just, he just kind of uh, usual suspects his way through the room. Not a good Freeman app. She kind of has yeah. her pants pulled down here. Yeah, I mean... And where's Ransom on this? Ransom's got to be the second pair of eyes here. I mean, they're both asleep at the switch. And at least in previous episodes, there's been an explanation for that. Like, oh, the employee review put her in exactly the wrong headspace for X. Right. This seems to be unmotivated bad captaining here. That's a shame. Yeah. You hate to see it. You do, because I really want her to get that promotion she wants. I do, too. It's going to be a hap- that would mean she was off the show, right? She would she would leave the Cerritos and we'd get a new captain? You know what? On this show, people leave, but they tend to return. 
Hmm. So Mariner Tenny. gets thrown into the same cell as Shaxx, and Boims and Rutherford look on. This is a really fun composition to this scene, because in the extreme foreground, we get Shaxx and Mariner, but then like very tiny up in the upper left corner, we see Boims and Rutherford looking on like from a balcony. Mm-hmm. And at this point, they start gathering the tools for what seems like a jailbreak that, that yes. they're planning. Sneaking around this compound is remarkably easy. Yeah. But uh, we're not going to see what they've got going with these tools just yet because Tende has to take a, a dive down one of those vertical shafts in the, in the Jeffries tubes trying to catch Dr. Katz. She breaks her arm really badly. Yeah. Compound fracture style. A compound fracture that is grosser than it would be to see Shax put some shit in his mouth. <laughs> And then Tendi puts her compound fracture in her mouth, and you're like, where is the line, Lower Decks? what? Is blood and gore in a mouth okay, but poo isn't? What can and can't we put into a mouth when it's animated? (laughs) Dr. Katz feels really bad about this. I mean, initially she's like, this is a fake injury, but then when she sees... Tendi sucking gore out of her own arm. She's like, oh, gosh, I really do feel awful. This is the moment when I knew this episode was written by someone who wasn't a cat owner. Because (laughs) uh, I could break every bone in my body in front of the cat that lived with us. And uh, she wouldn't give a shit. (laughs) She could watch me slowly being run over by a forklift and uh, not care at all. There There are personable cats, Adam. Dr. Katz just doesn't happen to be one of them. No, she's definitely not. It's funny, the scene, though. Like, she's like, I'm not going to fall for that. And then she's like, oh, shit. And then she kind of falls for it. But she's not falling for a thing that's a trick. She's falling for a thing that's real. Yeah. And Tendi is fighting through the pain to get that scam. Yeah. Checking the last box off of her list. Just in time for Boimler and Rutherford to walk through the door in the jail area of the Mugacho compound with what looks like a shoulder-mounted rocket or something. Yeah, it's great. They've made a life-saving invention out of household materials. And uh, what it is is not a weapon, but a PowerPoint presentation that shows how much more money the Ferengi could be making if they turned this site into a tourist attraction. For a Ferengi, that is a weapon. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for all of the like prideful anti-Federation rhetoric that the Ferengi toss around, I feel like they are always open to a punch up if it will lead to them making more money. Right. Right. And this is a moment that answers the question, who is dumber, the Pakleds or the Ferengi? Like, I don't think you could ever pull off something like this with the pack lids. At least the Ferengi are capable of higher thought in in some way. Right. Yeah. So uh, congratulations, the Ferengi. You're not as dumb as the pack lids. If the pack lids ran this camp, Rutherford and Boimler would have rolled in a couple of tins of cheese balls as a distraction <laughs> yeah. and sprung their, their pals out of prison. It would have been much more of a snack-based escape. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of this presentation, what's happened here is the same thing that ended their game time earlier in the bar. Everyone is unhappy. So what we have here is a successful compromise. They were planting seeds, Adam. Yeah. They're now sowing what they've reaped. (laughs) It was a real 
Me sowing, what the fuck, this sucks. <laughs> me reaping, ha yeah, this rules. <clears throat> exactly. Turn the whole thing on its head. Well, all is well. Big victory down on the planet. It, up in Six Bay, uh, Tendi's arm is getting fixed up, and it looks like the Doc and Shanks may be uh, heading for some sexy time alone together. Unclear whether this is something Shax is into. Or if this is just a thing that Dr. Katz is prescribing. <laughs> this Dr. extra Zorda's medical Jacks. treatment may not be officially licensed. Mm-hmm. Nothing more restorative and healing than pussy. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you get that, Shax. So, uh, Admiral Freeman FaceTimes with you Captain Freeman. You think that's Freeman. how Shax got his facial scar? Was fucking oh, Dr. Katz? shit. <laughs> I'm starting to put it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Admiral Freeman FaceTimes in with the captain, revealing that this broken ship thing is a scam that's being run in this sector. Have you ever had anybody run this scam on you, Adam? The you broke my thing, give me stuff scam? Yeah. No, but I'm like, when I'm out in the world, I'm constantly paranoid about this. That's why I tend not to go out of my way to have interactions. <laughs> I used to uh, do some work with a production company in Midtown Manhattan, and they were right off Broadway on a section of street that was reliably really crowded. Mm-hmm. And I was taking two Pelican cases over to their studio, and a guy did that with some glasses. Made it. He w- he was running the "You broke my glasses." Wow. Thing, and I I had two Pelican cases that I was like, there are. Two Pelican cases make you a mark. There are tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment in these cases. Like, I am in a crowded environment with a guy that I don't trust. Did he throw his glasses at your feet and you stepped on them? What happened? No, he did. He, he like, found a way to, like, sell that he had bumped into me Uh and, and that his glasses fell. But it was really hard to tell him. I mean, like, you know, there I maybe a five percent chance he was not running game, and I still think about it. Did I really fuck that guy's glasses up? Wow. But uh, but I was just like, sorry, man, I can't help you. That's not my fault, and and kept moving. Yeah, you can't break stride if you feel like you're being scammed. This is a sort of scam that you read about all the time on the highways. You yeah. know, like like this is a great reason to get a uh, a dash cam. Because the right. because the game is, is like someone someone stops short, forces you to rear end them, and pull and they pull over, and you exchange information, and because it's because you're the rear ender, uh, right. it's your fault. Right. Get a dash cam. That's uh, that's my advice. Another rule of greatest gen, I guess. Well, I mean, there's no dash cam that could have helped you out of that glasses situation. That's for sure. <laughs> no, I would have needed a uh, a cowboy hat with a GoPro suction cup to the front of it. <laughs> a strong look. Yeah. That's freaking crazy, man. The scammer gets caught. They get all the stuff back. He gets sent down to the planet to be a shit shoveler. And we hang out with our uh, buddies in the bar playing playing their diplomacy game together. So the rare episode in season two where Mariner isn't locked up at the end of the episode. You know what? Playing a, a boring board game with people might as well be <laughs> thrown in the brig if you ask me. Yeah. And it's its own crime, too, because I saw there was somebody with like a tray of hot food and a drink looking for somewhere to sit down. And uh, they're just sitting there occupying a table. 
Yeah. You have a living room at home, guys. Get out of there. <laughs> so Mariner uh, gets up and gets another round. And uh, and there's Otis. Or you called him... You called him Notus? What was your name for him? Hodus? Hodus? Are you kidding me? This is the second scene where there's somebody that calls... There's like a supervising bartender or something that calls to him off screen. I love this guy's voice. Yeah. But also, I think that's Ben Rogers again. Oh, you don't say. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I just see Ben Rogers everywhere. I, I want to believe it's it's Ben Rogers' voice from now on. If I can't place the voice, it's Ben Rogers, obviously. We will get two or three dozen correction tweets per episode of this show. But I was confused by it because there was a character like in the deep background whose mouth was moving. And I was like, is that guy yelling at him from across the bar? Yeah. What's going on here? Is this the guy who yells Starbase 80 uh, in season one? I feel like this is a character. Yeah. Off-screen yelly guy is a character on this show that I I don't need to know any more about this person. I just want them to continue as a thing. Yeah. Mariner's spreading badass rumors about Boehm's and Rutherford. Yeah. Who's going to believe this shit, though? Yeah. Nobody. No. Only Hodor. <laughs> <laughs> Did you like this episode, Ben? I did like this episode. Another fun one, and I'm really appreciating how much this season is exploring the space more and more. Different configs of characters for different kinds of stories. And uh, I laughed a lot. I think I feel like the front half of this episode was lighter on jokes than the back half. Yeah, I noticed that too. But like the back half, I laughed a ton. So an uneven distribution, much like the uh, milligrams in a jazz gummy. Mm. Sometimes you break your jazz gummy in in half, and uh, and that first one doesn't do anything. Yeah, it's it's like a, it's like a cookie, right? If you break a cookie in half, sometimes one half has all the chocolate chips. And right. uh, buckle up. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right, Ben. I think did you like the episode is sort of an imperfect question for Lower Decks because by and large, I like all the episodes. It's just to what degree. Right. And what I liked about this episode specifically was that I think after 13 or 14 episodes, we're reaching a point where the show doesn't have to do as much work on setup and instead yeah. can rely on the the kind of institutional knowledge we've gained in watching it up until now. And sure. so the show can kind of like lean into punchlines and tags in a way without having to spend so much time on setup or prep or introducing a character to pay them off later. And I think it's making for a more efficient comedy uh, going forward. Like this episode might not be super emblematic of that theory. The scene with Stevens is a great example of this. We know Stevens from previous episodes to be obviously the spotter for yeah. for ransom, but like you you need so little dialogue to pay off a joke that involves Stevens that that I'm anticipating a quickening of the pace to the jokes because of all the work, all of the setup work having already been done up until now. I think it it makes for a funnier show going forward. Sure it does. Do you want to uh, see if we have any funny? Priority ones in the inbox? Oh, yeah. By coincidence? Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. And we got a couple of these P1s here. The first is of a promotional nature, Adam, and it goes like this. Calling all FODs. Looking for more to watch on Twitch? 
check out my nephew's new channel, Optcoda, for games like Counter-Strike, Minecraft, Star Wars, and more. It's a hell of a combination. I have no idea what Twitch is, but I'm a proud aunt who loves him to pieces. <laughs> ben and Adam, keep up the great work. Love the pod. JB, this is the, the cutest commercial priority one ever. A proud aunt. <laughs> Yeah. Out there driving FOD traffic to her nephew's Twitch stream. So that's, uh, you, you go into Twitch and uh, the account is OPTCODA, Optcoda. How about that's that? Awesome. Sounds like fun. Maybe I'll check it out myself. Ben, our second priority one message is from Ryan from Sacktown. It is to Ben and Adam. And the message goes like this Howdy from the Big Tomato, Ben and Adam. When you said that the greatest discovery Jumbotron cupboard was starting to get a little bare, I just had to drop in and say thanks again for all you do for the FODs. I already loved Lower Decks, but your pod has helped me notice some funny moments I missed the first time through. Keep doing what you do. Thank you, Ryan from Sacktown. That's very kind of you. Ryan knows what's up. He heard a, a veiled reference <laughs> to, uh, to cupboard emptying yeah. on the P1 spreadsheet and look at ryan jumping right in there to help you know what ryan's doing doing what needs to be done ryan notices uh the p1's coding from across six bay gets in there with the elbows and starts performing the first aid really nice work be like ryan get yourself a p1 by going to maximumfun.org slash jumbotron we really appreciate it yeah it helps the ongoing production of this new star trek show hey ben What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Edward Larkin! I think it's going to be Lieutenant Stevens for me. He is really giving me, like, Stevie Janowski from Eastbound and Down <laughs> kind of energy now. Yeah. And I, uh, I like, that, that running gag always gets me. So uh, I'm here for it. And I, I, I wasn't sure if he was just going to be, like, a, it was going to be, like, one big joke about him in... Uh, in the first episode of the season, but uh, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's given us that that energy. Stevens is my Edward Larkin too, because like the funniest type of person to me is the person who has confidence when they shouldn't have any. <laughs> Specifically, my the reason that he's my Larkin for this episode is when his body starts breaking down and he starts calling Six Bay. His pronunciation of Doctor Tiana. Is an all-timer. Stevens Tatara, emergency transport. It is so yeah. great how badly he fucks that up. <laughs> also, he has a doctor right there. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great. Very funny. Yeah. All right. Well, I got to look up in my email what the next episode is called. So yeah, this is the, the taffy for a second. This is the fifth and final episode of Star Trek Lower Decks that we've received early. Uh, from this point forward, we're going to be watching them with the rest of you as they come out. It's going to be great. It's going to be all right, right? It's going to be fine. So. Adam, the next episode is uh, kind of on brand for us. It's, gonna, it's called An Embarrassment of Duplers. Wow. Embarrassment is our stock and trade. It is. We know nothing about it except the title. Duplers yeah. or du how do you spell duplers. that? D-O-O-P-L-E-R-S. That was going to be my guess. Hmm. Yeah. All right. Like Dopplers, but dupe. Wow. Well, it's been a super fun season so far. Can't wait to watch this next episode with you and talk about it. 
But for right now, here are some professionally read credits. Yeah, hi. More of a comment than a question, um, and it's in a few different parts. Greatest Discovery is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. You can buy merchandise from all our shows over at podshop.biz. Our music is by uh, Adam Ragusia. Follow us at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. And join one of the Miriam communities of Friends of DeSoto on pretty much any social media platform. And we'd appreciate it if you'd leave a nice review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to help us cover our production costs, support the show at MaximumFun.org join, where you can get access to tons of bonus content. And that means a lot to us. Okay, so those are my observations. And um, I guess I just wanted to know what's your reaction to that. Get a life. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.